Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. I extend a special welcome to those who are visiting with us this morning. If you have questions about Unitarian Universalism or about this congregation, please ask the friendly people all around you or the friendly people at the visitor table, and they'll do their best to help you um, get an answer. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in every person. And our denomination is having an ongoing conversation in official channels about whether that should be a spark of the divine in every being. So we are, uh, I think, moving in that direction. The way that we greet God, the divine, the holy, in our midst, the mystery, is by turning to the person to our right and left and welcoming the holy within them. Will you say with me the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning is written by Mother Teresa. Love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action, and that action is service. Whatever form we are, able or disabled, rich or poor, it is not how much we do, but how much love we put into the doing. A lifelong sharing of love with others. Every seven years, this church stops and asks itself, what are we doing here? And the last time y'all did it, you wrote a mission statement that we have said every Sunday morning together. In November, we will be having congregational conversations about whether we want to uh, add, subtract, change the order of this mission statement. If you don't want anything to happen to it, I invite you to breathe deeply. and attend the conversations. And even if we leave it the same, it will be the same after the conversation process, which will make it richer and will make it belong to us more. Many of us weren't here seven years ago, and so it needs to be ours as well. But for now, let's define what we're doing here by saying our mission together. We gather in community, to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our reading for Centering was written by the Reverend Don Southworth, a Unitarian Universalist minister, and it's entitled, How Will You Use Your Gifts? One of the first things I saw on my first day of seminary at Star King School for the Ministry in August 1996 was the official school t-shirt. On the front of the shirt was a beautiful drawing of a sand dollar. I discovered the importance and meaning of the sand dollar later that morning during our opening worship service. Rebecca Parker, the president of Star King, spoke poetically and movingly about the sand dollar's history at the school and its symbolism for our time there. 
For decades, incoming students have been given a sand dollar as a welcome gift in a ritual to honor the gifts we brought to the school and to represent the grace and mystery of our vocations to ministry. We were each invited to choose a sand dollar to take with us on our journeys. With tears in my eyes, I prayerfully selected the sand dollar that I knew would be the perfect companion on my road to ministry. When I returned to my seat, and as I lovingly fondled it, my precious sand dollar shattered into several pieces and soon was nothing but sand dollar dust. I realized that this probably wasn't a good omen for my future. <laughs> so I snuck back to the basket to take another. Certain that nobody saw me, I slunk back to my seat and gently placed the new sand dollar in my pocket. Fifteen minutes later, when I went to touch my sacred sand dollar, I discovered it, too, was in pieces. Convinced that the gods were telling me something about my choice to pursue the ministry, I quietly dumped my sand dollar into the garbage and wondered if seminary was the right place for me. Fortunately, the T-shirt on the wall had writing on the back as well. It said, How will you use your gifts? Since sand dollars did not seem to be my thing, I hoped I could do a better job with that question. On that day, that question became one of the guiding lights of my life and ministry. How will you use your gifts? I have been blessed to be surrounded by faculty, friends, family, colleagues, and congregations committed to living that question with me. It is a question with the power to transform the world. How will you use your gifts? Imagine what would happen if every one of us committed to fully living out the answer to that question and helping others to do the same. Imagine if every person in the world overcame their doubts, fears, and oppressions and shared all their gifts. We have the power to change and heal the world when we use our gifts to bless the world. And what better place to practice than in our religious communities where we are encouraged to bring our unique talents, skills, passions, and dreams and share them as widely as we can, even on those days when we feel as imperfect as a broken sand dollar. You and I are miracles, my friends. We are packages of gifts that have never been seen before in the history of the world and will never be seen again. Our potential, our greatness, lie in how well we open our packages, our lives, and share them with other people. To paraphrase the words of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., everybody can be great, but every, because everybody can share their gifts with the world. You don't need a Master of Divinity degree to share your gifts. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to share your gifts with the world. You only need a heart full of grace, generated by love, and maybe a pocket full of sand dollar dust. Now is the time in our service when we breathe together and enter into a time of silence for meditation and prayer. We listen to God as we understand God or to our inner wisdom or just listen to our breath go in and out of our bodies. This time, 
I'm going to ask you as we enter into the silence to contemplate the gifts that you hold within you, in your mind, in your spirit, in your body. Some of us have gifts that are used daily in our inner home there, set right out on the dining room table, right in the living room. Sometimes we love using these gifts, and sometimes we long to use a different one, one that might be hiding in a closet. We had self-doubts. We didn't know whether we should bring that one out. What are the gifts you would like to use in this community? Let us enter into the silence together. Let the life I lead speak for me. Let the life I lead speak for me. When I'm lying in my grave and there's nothing left to say, let the life I lead speak for me. We're talking about our mission statement these days, and today we're talking about transforming lives. And one of the ways that lives are transformed around here is through service. We've got a new program starting up called Transformation Through Service. And most of the people involved in the leadership team this morning are members of the Transformation Through Service team. We're going to speak about our gifts, the gift that you thought about during the meditation time. And if you will, in the next five minutes, at some point, write the word that represents this gift, or maybe two words, on the little square of colored paper that's in your bulletin, that will give you a head start on activities later on. One of my favorite theologians is a Baptist theologian named Howard Thurman. He says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. And then go do it, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. So the people who are going to be speaking in this worship service are inviting you into an experience of transformation, should you care to participate. If you would like to, the program involves, the coolest part of the program in my mind, is an interview that they will do, or someone who has been trained by them will do, which is you sit down with them for an hour and you talk about you, which is a pleasure for anyone. (laughs) What interests you? What have you loved that you've done? What little gift would you maybe like to bring out of the closet and offer to the community? This is not a sneaky recruiting tool because we're not asking you to sign the gift words that you're going to put in the offering plate later on. 
This is an invitation to joy, an invitation to doing that which makes you feel alive. Some of you are already doing it, but some of you are still looking around for ways to do it. So another thing we're going to do after we collect the words is we're going to ask you to take a word on your way out and hold this gift that's been offered up into the community's heart and mind and be grateful for it. Use it in your meditation. Give thanks that this kind of gift is available here in this community. Let the work I've done speak for me. Let the work I've done speak for me. Let the work I've done speak for me. When I lie in my grave and there's nothing left to say, let the work I've done speak for me. And I invite Thomas Madina. If I had my way, we changed the order of our mission statement. I'd swap do justice and transform lives so that it'd read, we gather in community to nourish souls, do justice, and transform lives. In my experience that I'm about to share, it's in doing justice that lives are transformed. When I first walked through the doors of First Two U three and a half years ago, I came for the worship service to nourish my soul. And my soul was nourished. It felt really good to be surrounded by people who believed the same things I did, our seven principles, and who drew on our seven sources to inform their spiritual journey. When I took the path to membership class here, I was told that there was a need for ushers and that being an usher was a good way to start becoming part of the first EU community. So my very first act of service here was to usher, and I did it for selfish reasons, to become part of the community, and it worked. One Sunday while I was ushering, Reverend Mahdi walked up to me and asked me if I was going to come to the newly formed Alphabet Soup group for people who identify as belonging to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or questioning community. I joined. Another Sunday, Reverend Mahdi asked me if I was going to be part of the adult religious education group that was going through the new welcoming curriculum to help ensure that we continue to welcome the LGBTQ community. I joined. Another Sunday, Reverend Amadi asked me if I was going to be part of the newly formed People of Color group. I joined. As an aside, if I just read the announcements in our order of service, Reverend Amadi wouldn't have had to take the extra step of telling me about all these opportunities. But I grew up Catholic, and at the end of Mass, the priest always read the announcements. So I kind of figured if there was something I should not be announced from the pulpit. But it's not the case here. Eventually, people other than Reverend Mahdi started to ask me to do things. I became the facilitator of the Alphabet Soup Group. I served on the intern committee for our most recent ministerial intern, Susan Yarborough, and I'm a steward for this year's pledge drive. But it was my encounter with Peggy Morton that really transformed my life. She told me about an opportunity to visit immigrant women being held in detention at Hutto about 45 minutes from here. I'm a child of immigrants, and I very much appreciate the opportunities this country has given my family and me. For the longest time, I've wanted to give something back, and I've been very bothered by the fact that many immigrants to this country 
don't receive the same welcome that my parents received when they immigrated in the 50s. I began to visit women at Hutto once or twice a month. All I did was converse with them about simple things like their families back home or in the States and about incredible things such as their harrowing trips from their home countries and the reasons why they came, which were often out of fear for their lives after seeing family members killed by gangs. Talking with, this, with these women was humbling. I very much admired their courage and resilience. It also made me appreciate how easy my life is because of the fact that I was born here through no effort at all on my part. All of these activities I mentioned have been transformative. Before moving to Austin, I had lived in New York City for 25 years. While living there, I became a very talented consumer. I took advantage of theater, restaurants, nightlife, etc. My time at First CU has made me more into, cre into a creator. I make experiences now as much as I consume them. I've saved the most important transformative experience I've had for last. This June, inspired by my time at General Assembly, our annual gathering of UUs, I decided to take my first pro bono immigration case as an attorney. I represented a lesbian woman from Guatemala who had fled with her girlfriend because of threats made on their lives. When the women crossed the border into the United States, uh, they were detained by ICE and put into detention um, jail at Hutto. The girlfriend voluntarily deported herself back to Guatemala, unaware of her rights to seek asylum. My client, on the other hand, did apply for asylum. Through American Gateways, a not-for-profit organization that provides legal help to immigrants, I represented this woman in immigration court. I'm happy to say that on August 23rd, the immigration judge handed down her decision and granted my client asylum. She now lives out of detention and is working and living here in Austin without fear of being deported. This was probably the single most transformative event in my entire life. Last year in a class I'm taking here at First UU, we were asked the question as to what is the thing in your life that you feel driven to, to do, that you just can't not do? I answered that I've struggled with this my whole life. I felt like I should have a calling, but I never had one. I can now say I have one. Using my legal training to help immigrants to this country is something that I cannot not do. Currently, I'm helping with our guest in Sanctuary, Alerio, and his legal case. And it feels great to be able to provide the service that I feel called to in the same place that I call my spiritual home. I feel whole in a way that I've never felt before. My point in telling you all this is to encourage you to move beyond attending worship and start providing a service you feel at least a teensy bit called to. Or if you're give, already giving service, thank you. And secondly, if you feel so called, take a leap and try something you've never done before. I know we're all busy, and it's totally normal to give up resisting more of your time. Believe me, I've often had that feeling myself. But I promise you that in providing service to others, your life will be transformed in ways both big and small. And just as important as the transformation, your soul and the souls of those you nourish will be, uh, will be your soul and the souls of those you serve will be nourished. Let the friends I've made speak for me. Let the friends I've made speak for me. When I'm lying in my 
And there's nothing left to say. Let the friends I've made speak for me. And I just rest there with them. And if you haven't got yours together yet, don't worry about it. They'll be collected in about 10 minutes. Carolyn Griminger. So how is serving others transformational? My path of service at First UU has transformed my relationship with our community, as Tomas alluded to, from being a consumer to becoming a co-creator. My energy has been heightened. I now purposefully try to see how I can use my gifts to become an innovator in service here and how I can connect with others to enhance our church community and its efforts to better serve Austin and our world. As writer Thomas More has said, this process is not so much something we do than it is something done to us. Of course, it is important that I am clear in my motivation and attitude. I try to enter with an open heart and mind and create a loving, accepting place for others. This effort sometimes opens up new avenues inside of me. If I draw from my source, my ground of being, this enables me to have even more hope and energy. We all have a unique gift of service to contribute, and with time and persistence, it becomes apparent by finding that sacred service, the work that helps others and nourishes ourselves, we can find how to begin with ourselves, but not end with ourselves, as Roger Walsh has said. I have found that service can be transformational when done mindfully and intentionally. There is a joyful path of service, a conscious spiritual path, not out of a sense of obligation or for the ego or personal gain not attached to outcomes. A specific commitment to care for a need in our circles of concern. I would like to share an example of how I was a beneficiary of someone else's apparent path of service. In the past, about five years ago, I was going through a biopsy procedure and I was very afraid. I didn't take anyone with me to the appointment at the hospital. A volunteer approached me in the waiting room and asked if she could accompany me. I agreed. The reason it was scheduled at the hospital was due to the fact that the area to be biopsied was close to my ribcage. I decided to be a brave soldier as usual and did not accept my doctor's offer of a local anesthetic. (laughs) The volunteer stayed right by my side. As the procedure went on, I came to understand my doctor's offer. (laughs) The pain was intense and I was obviously distressed. The volunteer held my hand as the doctor administered the anesthetic. Tears were rolling down my face. I grasped my helper's hand and looked up at her through my tears and said, thank you. And I will never forget her response. There is nowhere else I'd rather be. This happened many years ago and I've never forgotten it. I don't know the lady's name. I wish she was here in the audience today. (laughs) I would guess she is a cancer survivor. I've always hoped that her act of service helped her in some way. She surely helped me that day, and I was a total stranger. It can be an inspirational path in service of creation, done in gratitude, and can result in a more joyful experience of life. You might find that the people you are attempting to serve can help you and teach you things. I can honestly tell you that I have been personally transformed by my path of service here at First UU. When I first entered these doors 15 years ago, I was felt pretty lost and alone. I now have support on my spiritual journey and community. I feel at home here. 
Being a lay leader has introduced me to people and ideas that have changed my life at a profound level. I now see myself in a different way, more confident, more loved. My mind and heart have been opened to a whole new realm of possibilities and hope. I now know I'm a valued member here whose talents and presence are needed. It has truly been a life-changing experience. In our community, our tribe in the crucible for the creative, to quote Meg's recent sermon, I experienced so much fun and meaning. And I have made some really dear friends through service on the Board of Trustees, co-chairing the Public Affairs Forum, and helping out with the theater group and gallery openings. Together, we have accomplished great things. I can't wait till the next service opportunity. First UU is a safe place <clears throat> to practice new skills. You can risk failure and be okay. Grow from the risk. And in a non-shaming environment, you can take a leap of faith here. We are all in need of care and caring at certain points in our lives. One question you could ask was, who is really being served? My reality is I receive so much more than I give. There are many ways to get involved here in service work, in um, service work here, both large and small, short and long-term projects and efforts. So if you're interested, how can you find your calling, your path of service, as Meg quoted earlier? What makes you come alive? What causes are you passionate about? What energizes you and what is needed? Be open to the gifts that service can give you. The process, in my experience, opens up new possibilities, talents, sensitivities, a new sense and profound sense of belonging. It can even unearth a new identity. <clears throat> what we do in this life matters for ourselves, our loved ones, and the community at large. We can help to build a heaven on earth. So what do you say, friends? Let's all work together to continue to build beloved community. Thank you. Thank you both so much. And thank you all for writing your gift words down on the pieces of paper. I trust that they're migrated toward the center. And now Lisa Carroll and Wendy Ayersman, as we sing the last verse, will collect them, and then we're going to hum while they read some of the gifts out loud. Let the love I give speak for me. Let the love I give speak for me. Let the love I give speak for me. When I lie in my grave and there's nothing left to say, let the love I give speak for me. Listen, song, spirit of theater, stewardship, music, teaching, creativity, sewing, health, writing and listening, sharing time with others in need, art, Helping others, organization and project management, creating community, caregiving, 
feeling compassion. Mm, that's a great one to end on. Will you please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Let the love I give speak for me. Let the love I give speak for me. When I'm lying in my grave and there's nothing left to say, let the love I give speak for me. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.